What's going on, guys? It is Michael Hunter at ACCBR1 on Twitter. Coming at you on a, what is it? This is it Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday. Episode number 64 of the ACC Basketball Report. Thanks for joining me. We are in the offseason. It's going to get few and far between and random and whenever I feel like doing it and sporadic from here until probably October, I'm going to drop a completely off topic, drunken, debauchery filled podcast later on in May with some buddies of mine as we go up to the New York City for the PGA Championship. Uh, we get a four day weekend up there. I'm sure that'll be interesting and it will have absolutely nothing to do with ACC basketball. Uh, today, what I've got for you is the newest member of the ACC Basketball Report family. It is Jonathan Warner. You can find him on Twitter at, uh, at Bracketologist3. I kind of, Jonathan was the first guy that I went to when I wanted a, uh, a, a bracketologist specifically for ACC Basketball Report. He has his own website already. But him and I have interacted uh, periodically on Twitter. He's a very sharp guy, very analytical guy. And I brought it to him. He seemed very interested and uh, gives him an opportunity to provide you know, his content um, on a wider spectrum. Now it's in two places instead of one. Um, it gives ACC Basketball Report an opportunity to put out a bracketology report on a weekly or semi-weekly basis. So now we have a bracketologist in Jonathan, we have an analytics slash um, uh, wagering uh, mind in, in Charlie. And Charlie's actually working on um, providing his own metrics at some point, developing his own his own way of evaluating teams. And then we've got uh, Kinchin, who, you know, like me, is just going to provide some off-the-wall um, opinions uh, here and there, which is is great that's what i enjoy doing some people don't like doing that some people don't like doing analytics i couldn't even start to put together a bracket like jonathan could and i couldn't even know where to begin to as far as putting a metric together an algorithm together like charlie does or like my buddy eric haslam does so it's good to have a wide range of guys we talk about the net we talk about um, his reputation and his history uh, numbers you shoot for as a bracketologist, um, how he's kind of refined his game over the years. He's been doing this for six years. It'll be seven during the upcoming season uh, later on this fall. So he's been doing bracketology since 2013, which is another awesome thing for us because he has refined his craft. He's dependable. He knows what he's doing. And I think he gives us uh, the best opportunity for some really good results for, for our website at accbasketballreport.com. It's going to be a short show. Um, we only talked for about 15 minutes. What I wanted to do was just kind of get you guys familiar with, with his process, kind of introduce you to him. This is the first time Jonathan and I have ever spoke um, other than on you know Twitter or, or wherever. So if we're a little bit unfamiliar with each other and it's and it's a little choppy, that's fine. We had a couple uh, audio snafus as well, but all stuff that is going to happen when you get people together that don't really know each other and they can't sit across from a table from each other. So, um, you know, just bear with us as we as I've gotten better with with uh, Kinchin and Charlie. We will get better with Jonathan as well, and at some point we'll all be a cohesive unit. We'll bring you guys the very best product. Leave us a review, tell us what we're doing correctly, and maybe where we can improve. I accept constructive criticism 
as well as anybody you'll ever meet. I uh, <clears throat> um, have been trying to get some more content out on the website lately. Uh, the boys have hit a little bit of a lull, but we're working on some stuff. It's the off-season. The news is a little bit slow, but we're trying to keep up with recruiting and, and give you some stuff. I did a semi-recruiting rundown uh, yesterday, and then, of course, there was more recruits that came in today, so I dropped a story about... Uh, Bubba Parham committing to Georgia Tech. You guys can go check that out. Yesterday was more wide-range, league-wide. I will give you guys my opinion on the Anthony Harris commitment that happened yesterday afternoon as well. And I think there's there's going to be... I think there's another commitment coming within the next day or two in the, in the form of a graduate transfer. I just don't know which school he's going to land at, but I do think that he's going to land in the ACC, and I do think it's going to happen in the next couple days. My first instinct is that it's going to be in Chapel Hill. Could be Atlanta. Could be in Clemson. It could be in the Big Ten. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, right now, there's a lot of things up in the air. The transfer list is up around 700 right now. So, you know, a lot of things could happen. I didn't see the Parham commitment happening last night. I was in bed by 9.30, quarter of 10. By the time I woke up this morning, GTEC had landed a... a Tra uh, transfer that scored 21 points a game last year and nobody that I had ever talked to about Georgia Tech basketball which is the program I'm easily the most plugged in with had ever even mentioned his name so that's one of the more frustrating things with uh, with recruiting but also one of the most fascinating things about how fast things can happen and how fast things can change so without further ado on episode number 64 this is me and Jonathan Warner but first you got Josh Kogi streaking down the right-hand side, Notre Dame. Farrell turns the key, drives the lane with three on the shot clock. Doesn't get it. Five seconds to play. Down the floor, Kogi. He beat the buzzer. Hey, Jonathan, how you doing, man? Good, how are you? Not bad, thanks. Um, so I'm, I'm rolling right now, so we are live. I, uh, I want to thank you for taking the time to join me tonight as I, uh, as I introduce... Uh, you, our newest bracketologist, to the uh, to the ACC basketball report fans. Uh, how you doing? Good. How are you? Uh, doing today. <laughs> What's that? Doing well today. Yeah. So uh, why don't you go ahead uh, while we get started here? Tell us uh, a little bit about yourself. Um, how long you've been? How long you've been doing bracketology? And uh, you know, just just some of your background. I'm Jonathan Moore. Uh, at Bracketologist three on Twitter, I've been doing bracketology now since 2013. I kind of started doing it 2014. I joined Twitter and kind of did it on Twitter since then. But mm -hmm. doing it since 2014, I guess. And you, you, you actually run your own website in addition to what you're going to be doing for us as well, correct? Yes. Uh, their website, makingthemadness.com. Nice, nice. I'll have daily bracketology projections there and contribute here at the ACC Basketball Report. So when you when you do your your bracketology predictions, are you, are you trying to predict what committee will do or what you think the field should be? I do what the committee does. Uh, they committee doesn't give uh, me an opportunity to uh, chime in that, so I may as well do try to do what they do. Mm -hmm. 
kind of, you know, do it what they have based, uh, it on in the past and try to predict what's going to go into it this year. So they've they've kind of laid down the baseline over the years. You've studied their their habits, yes, and you use that yeah. to to go ahead and predict the field. <clears throat> yeah. What uh, you know now that you're you're pretty well established. I mean, 2013, 2014, uh, been doing this for you know five six years now. What's uh, what's your predictive percentage over the years compared to uh, the committee and the actual field? I'm. Um. Been doing pretty well. I've been averaging 67 of 68 teams into the field. I really didn't quite get like an accurate representation recently. Mm-hmm. And then this year, I did a career high in the bracket matrix with 365 points, which placed me actually third out of uh, 195 pathologists, which was really good. So it looks like. Yeah, I, I was kind of average over the years, bracketology, but I'm moving up in the world, I guess. Nice, nice. Getting it down to a science at this point, huh? Yeah. So, uh, there's no excuse for, uh, there's no, uh, there's no uh, replacement experience. So as we uh, get old and learn, we start to do better. Are there any, um, any misconceptions that you see on, you know, I know you're big Twitter. I see you tweeting a lot about the, the national landscape. Are there any misconceptions uh, that you see on Twitter uh, regarding bracketology and, or, you know, any common, common themes among the public that be wrong that they may not understand? Yeah, I've noticed a few. One big one that I jot down uh, was that, like, the NET, the net, uh, the new net, or in the old days, the RPIs, you know, a lot of people would look at those rankings uh, and just say, this is where Team X should be seated based on that. But in reality, that's not how it is. You look at this year, St. John's is in with a 73 ranking in the net, mm-hmm. while NC State is 33rd, but they didn't get in. It's I think more of it has to do with quality wins, picking up those quadrant one, quadrant two wins, as opposed to, you know, just looking at the net, because it's just kind of a baseline for uh, seeding the teams. But it, what it really comes down to is who do you play, who do you beat? Mm-hmm. And the net should care of it, ranking it kind of accurately, but it doesn't do that in the committee kind of, you know, plays around that. Did did you have that? Uh, was that the one that you missed with St. John's? No, I actually had St. John's in. I TCU for Belmont. Ah. Uh, my morningness this year, so. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't sneeze at that. That's actually, uh, if you're going to miss one, I'd probably, I'd probably take that one. Um, yeah. As far as you personally, is there anything that you would like to see change in regards to how the selection committee selects teams? I would. I mean, the selection process changing. I've noticed over the year much more for better, and we kind of have a better understanding what they're doing. I would like like a, you know. One more, one mid-major per year, kind of. Mm-hmm. 
uh, like this year we get Vermont, let's say, you know, last year we get Middle Tennessee State or something like that. Just give us like one mid major in the first four or something like that. Yeah. Uh, one thing I would consider maybe doing is changing around championship week. Uh, the SEC tournaments, the AAC tournaments, uh, and the Big Ten tournaments all have their championship games on that last Sunday. Right. And kind of like it leaves the committee in a tough spot because they're either going to have to change something that they really didn't want to change or B, leave it alone and you'll end up with a team. You know, let's say they didn't change Tennessee to a two seed this year. Tennessee might have been a one seed despite losing by 20 or something like that to Auburn on uh, Selection Sunday. So mm-hmm. I would maybe do that in the future. Have, I've noticed that a lot of people claim that when it comes to conference tournament time, the, the happenings of Selection Sunday weekend, that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, that the, the, the committee tends to disregard the results or they don't happen to have as much of an effect on the seedings. Is that something that you're buying into or is that just something that people say? I buy into it. I look at kind of this year, you had VCU, Washington, losing early. I guess Washington lost in the Pac-12 tournament, but they didn't necessarily pick up quality losses. Mm-hmm. But they still, those two teams still were on the eight line. I believe VCU was a nine, if I'm remembering correctly. Yes. Uh, when I would have... Yeah probably moved them down to either the 10 or the 11 line. After that loss, you're talking, in that, in that conference tournament? Yeah. Um, as far as, uh, I'm kind of glad you brought that up, as far as, do you, do you calculate your percentage correct as far as just teams in the tournament, or, or do, you keep, do you keep a record of how closely you land the seeds on the seed line, or is that something that is just... Is just too difficult to actually try to get correct. Uh, can you repeat that question again? Yeah, I just I, I'm wondering, do you actually track your percentages as far as um, what teams you get correct on each seed line as well? Oh yes, uh, I kind of have, I you know measure it by the bracket matrix. Mm-hmm. They do a good job over there uh, of calculating. Not just me, but all the bracketologists. Mm-hmm. So I'll kind of look over those stats. What is kind of just, what? What's your target number? I guess, or, or what? Because I'm I'm kind of new to the metrics game. I I've always been a an eye test guy. I'm a little bit old school, and I haven't. I, this was the first year I kind of embraced all these metrics. What's a what's a solid target for 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 you guys landing seed lines correctly? Uh, the target, I mean, anything over about 45 would be, you know, a really good year, mm. correctly picking each team seed. Uh, this year I did 48, I believe. Nice. So, it was a really good year. 40, I think, a good number as well. Yeah. Uh, but... I'll strive for higher, obviously. <laughs> right, a hundred percent is the target, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, as this was the first year of, of the net rankings and, and the RPI has kind of gone by the wayside now, um, are you a fan of the NCAA evaluation tool as opposed to the RPI or, or did you prefer Ken Palm or do you go to just Warren Nolan and start to compare everything or, or, or what tool do you like to use? Well, I, I use Warren Nolan, a lot of bracketologists do. Mm-hmm. It kind of has everything you could ever need at the team sheets on there. Uh, quad one, quad two, quad three, quad four records, uh, overall records, you know, any, any bracketology, you know, performance ranking you could imagine is on there uh, and done through the net. You know, that's a good site to use. Uh, as for the actual net versus the RPI, it's definitely an improvement. Uh, you notice a lot more teams, you know, ranked accurately based on what the committee values. I still think they might have overdone it a little bit. You know, you'll see like a Wofford as like 13th in the net, yeah. and well, that's they're probably not the 13th team. So maybe you know, dialing back a little bit, uh, making it a little bit more. You know, who do you beat? Right. Kind of like a little bit what the RPI was, but overall the kind of predictive metrics definitely are more accurate. Just maybe dial it back a little bit would be my suggestion. Is that something that they've made any announcement on that they're planning on doing as far as how how each each number is kind of weighted when they actually do the final calculation? Are they going to tinker with that? Uh, they have not really talked about it at all. You know, they really... I don't think they've even released the formula to like sites like ESPN or Warren Nolan. Uh, so I would like to see them do that. Uh, kind of get get out to the public, let them know what's going into this. Uh, other than that, not really too much else to change about the new net rankings. So the, I, I believe they told us they told us the factors, but they didn't tell us how they're weighted, correct? Yes. They so, kind of like, here's what's being factored in, figure out how it's being factored in if you're trying to guess what the exact formula is. Have, have you tried to reverse engineer that at all? <laughs> uh, can you repeat that again? I said, have you tried to reverse engineer that at all? Oh, no. That's... <laughs> <laughs> a little too complicated for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'd rather just, uh, spend my time trying to predict the committee, not the, the new net ranking. Right, I hear you, I hear you. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad you took the time to join me tonight. Um, I'm really looking forward to having you on ACC Basketball Report. Was, uh, w- w- was there any other topics that you wanted to hit while I had you on here tonight? Uh, I wanted to quickly hit on the fact that next year uh, the top of the college basketball landscape is not looking too well. I, I agree. Doing, like dive on all of that. And like right now I have Kansas as a one seed and that that's scary because their roster is not even that good. Yeah. They got some good news today, but I don't know. I don't know if it's enough to, uh, to, to put them over the top. I, I, I tend not to 
um, kind of get into to predict predicting um, next year this early just because the grad transfer market is still crazy. People are still transferring. We don't know who's coming back from the draft. Um, there are some kids that are going to blow up on the AAU circuit this year and, and land at some schools that we that we don't know about yet. So I, I do – one school that I really like, especially if, if Jordan War comes back to schools, I really, really like Louisville, um, especially with the, the addition of Lamar Kimball from St. Joe's. In this freshman class they get coming in, I think Malik Williams is a stud. And if Wara comes back, I think Louisville is going to be a force to be reckoned with next year. Yeah, but Louisville has a two-seat, actually. So mm-hmm. I, I agree with you there. Uh, you know, we'll see what the freshmen can kind of bring in right away. But that's definitely a team to look for to make a dramatic improvement. Yeah, I agree. What are you thinking about, uh, about this Duke class? They just... Uh, they just signed, of course, his name. I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Uh, four stars. Yes, Cassius Stanley. Just signed him today. <laughs> Gives him a five-man class. All of them ranked in the top 30. Um, do you have an opinion on this class? I think it's a good class. I've you know, heard regards like the class is overall kind of down. Uh, so mm. we'll see kind of how good it is. But to have Trey Jones back is you know, major key for them, obviously. Yeah. You know, the veteran leadership, not even, like, the talent. I just prefer, like, at least they have one sophomore coming back. Right, right. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of I'm, – I'm really interested where how this is going – how this class is going to impact their returning players. We saw uh, Mark, Marquis Bolden, Javin Delorier are going to test the waters and, 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 you know, get evaluated for the NBA draft. Um, I got to wonder about Joey Baker, who's being recruited over right now. Certainly, Alex O'Connell has plenty of suitors if uh, if he feels that he's not going to get the time, which Duke fans are already saying he might be entering the portal quickly on Twitter. So uh, you know, certainly, you know, the recruits coming in or impact the recruits that are already there, and that's you know one of the reasons why I can't um, you know predict this early what's going to be going on in the fall. It just seems like a waste. You know, just not a good use of time at this point. But uh, it certainly makes it uh, an interesting time of the year with with the way that people transfer and grad transfer and recruits. And it's certainly a good time. I'm worried about Duke and how this class kind of gels together because there's a lot of different styles in this class. And then you combine that with Trey Jones. And I I think Duke's has an interesting roster right now, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, definitely a good roster. You know, we'll see kind of how how it comes together, of course. Right. Yeah. And uh, we'll we'll see right away early on. I think they have another pretty tough schedule. Yeah, yeah. We just I wonder if they're going to leave North Carolina before January. Um. <laughs> um yeah, that. I think their uh, ACC Big Ten Challenge games on the road this year. So. Oh wow! They'll leave the. State at least one. <laughs> That's good. Um, all right, man. I, I I I thank you for taking the time. I'm really looking forward to having you on the site. Um, I know Charlie and and Kay are, are happy to have another contributor uh, to the site to uh, to lighten their load. And uh, anytime you know over the summer that you want to come back on, just let me know before uh, before we get rolling in the in the fall. Okay. Thank you for having me on. Not a problem, man. Have a good night. <laughs> Good evening.